We come to two very important verses in our verse-by-verse -verse study through the book of Romans. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And I'm here to tell you this morning, church family, that these two verses will either make you mad or glad as a follower of Christ. When you come to Romans chapter 12, verses 1 to 2, you can't be neutral. You can't be disengaged. You can't be absent-minded. These verses will either make you glad if you obey them, or they will make you mad if you refuse to obey them as a child of God's. Romans 12, 1 and 2 have brought about both kinds of emotions in your pastor in my life. I trusted Christ as a Savior very young in life and grew for a time spiritually quite consistently. And then around my high school years, I wandered from the Lordship of Jesus Christ in my life. And Romans 12, 1 or 2 is what the Holy Spirit used to draw me back. But I must confess it was a painful recovery. And as I stand before you this morning, obedient to the best of my abilities in the Spirit of God, to presenting my body a living and holy sacrifice, I can tell you it makes me glad. And if this is the juncture of your life, the why in the fork of your road, that God is calling you to make that decision, I pray for you this week. I've been praying for you, and I pray for you in these minutes that you'll agree with the Spirit of God, that these verses will make you glad instead of mad. Here's what the verses say. They're lightning rod verses. It says in Romans 12, 1 and 2, I urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Oh, yes, these are very important New Testament verses for the converted, blood-bought, redeemed child of God, you and me. These verses not only call us to place our saving faith in Christ, to be made right with God, and to have a place in heaven reserved for us, but these verses, in a pivotal sense, call the redeemed person to decision, to decision about who is the boss of their life, who is the master of their money, who is the king of their family and the king of their employment? These verses present a fork in the road to each and every one of us. Each and every one of us have a separate and unique journey with Jesus Christ, but we have the same fork in the road. And these two verses present to us the shared fork in the road that is before us. You see, because on one side of the Y of the fork in the road is the I surrender to Jesus Lordship road, the road that is God's will for every one of his children, but equally a live option to us at the fork of this road as a Christian is the I don't surrender to the Lordship of Christ road. Two roads. You cannot be on both roads at the same time. If you say I'm on the I surrender to the Lordship of Christ road, but don't say yes to Jesus in every matter that he raises, you are kidding yourself. 
And if you are on the I don't surrender to Christ as Lord road, you cannot know all of the plans, purposes, and joys that God has intended for you in the salvation that he has given to you so full and so free in the person and the work of his son. And so the question before the preacher and the question before the people this morning is which branch of the Y intersection are we going to pick? I surrender to the lordship of Christ branch or the I don't surrender to the lordship of Christ branch? Really, to say no to Christ on anything is not to have him as Lord of everything. You cannot say as a Christian, Jesus is Lord. You cannot sing, Jesus is Lord, if there's some pocket of your life that you do not say yes to him in, be it who you date, be it who you will marry, be it how you view the permanence of your marriage. If you say no to Jesus Christ in these matters, if you say no into how you handle money, if you say no as to how you use time, if you say no to Jesus Christ in any aspect of your life, you are not on the I surrender to Jesus Christ as Lord Road, but you can get onto it today. You can make that decision today. No and Lord are incompatible. No and Lord are mutually exclusive. No and Lord do not cohabitate. No means he's not your Lord. He's Lord means you do not say no to him in any matter. And so, for the person who claims to be a believer and chooses the I don't surrender to Jesus as Lord pathway, they're really kidding themselves, deluding themselves, tricking themselves if they can say, yeah, Jesus is Lord. That is not the accurate truth. And really, the Christian who, who continues to want to be boss and ruler and king of his or her own life and not have Jesus as boss and ruler and king of their redeemed life is, in the eyes of heaven, committing ridiculous sin. Not to be on the Jesus Christ is Lord of my life path is to be committing ridiculous sin, and we'll see why in Romans 12, verses 1 and 2 together in a moment. So let me ask you, some of you have been Christians for a month. Some of you have been Christians for a year. Some of you have been Christians for a decade. Some of you, like me, have been Christians for decades. Have you come to the why in the road? Lord, not Lord. And if you have come to the why in the road, what choice have you made? If you've chosen that Jesus is Lord, fork, good, are you still on that road? If this is brand new to you, you didn't even know there was a why in the fork of your road that swings and pivots on the lordship of Christ. If this is a new concept, now, this morning, you are going to get an opportunity to make a choice in your heart. Jesus is Lord or Jesus is not Lord. Jesus is going to run my life or he's just a fire escape from hell. We'll get a chance to make that choice. Will you notice with me that Romans 12, 1 and 2 is a call to every single one of us who are saved. Romans 12, 1 
says, I urge you, therefore, brethren. Brethren is a Bible way of saying people who are redeemed, people who are converted, people who are born-again Christians. That's brethren. Brothers and sisters in Christ are brethren. And this call, this urging, this command to come under the lordship of Christ is to all who are saved. I urge you, therefore, brethren, it's to you if you're saved. This call is to me since I'm saved. It's a call to all the saved. And it's a call that we are to present our bodies as living and holy sacrifices to Christ. Why? Why would God call us to present our bodies voluntarily as living and holy sacrifices? I mean, isn't that radical? Yeah, it is. Isn't that fanatical? Yes, it is. <laughs> Isn't that just for superficial, fanatical, either side of the spectrum believers? Isn't it just for the, the outlying boundary Christians? No, it's, for, it's mainstream. This is mainstream. This is normal Christian life. This is mainstream biblical Christianity. This is mainstream, down the road, what God wills, sanctification. It's radical. It's fanatical. It's over the top. Sometimes it's flat out inconvenient to live under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Sometimes it costs you your employment. I've seen that happen. Sometimes it costs you your marriage. I've seen that happen. To live under the lordship of Jesus Christ is often inconvenient, but it's always right. It's often costly, but I know it's worth it. People will think the person who's living under the lordship of Jesus Christ are weird. Compared to the world, we are weird. People will think looking on us, living under the lordship of Jesus Christ, that we're old-fashioned. Yes, we are. We are old-fashioned. People will think living under the lordship of Jesus Christ, we're just uneducated. Well, whether we're educated or uneducated, we're obedient if we live under the lordship of Christ. People will say, that's just a crutch. Oh, no, it's not a crutch. It's an iron lung. <laughs> just like a person with uh, respiratory issues can't live outside an iron lung, I can't live properly without Jesus Christ as Lord of my redeemed life. I messed it up. I'm a lousy Lord of my own life. I tried 20 years. Messed it up. So Why? You say, Pastor, I hear you preaching Romans 12, 1 and 2, that it's calling me to a Y fork in the road. It's calling me to go to the I surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ branch of that road. Why? It's inconvenient. Yeah. It's costly. Yeah. Makes people think less of me. Yeah. Why? I'll tell you why. Let the verses tell you why. Four good reasons why in these two verses that we all should take the I surrender to the Lordship of Christ road. Ready? Four good reasons right in the text. Four good reasons for you to choose the I surrender road to Christ's lordship if you never have or if you have to stay right on that road. Four good reasons. Number one, surrender is fitting given what God has done for you. Surrender is fitting given what God has done for you. You see it there in verse one, first part of the verse. I urge you, therefore, what is that therefore, therefore? Chapters 1 through 11 tell us all that Jesus Christ has done for us that brings about the reasonability, the fitting nature of presenting ourselves as holy and living sacrifices to him. 
Well, what does chapters 1 to 11 tell us that Jesus has already done for us? Oh, more. Oh, God has died for you. God has acquitted you of your guilt despite the fact you're guilty, and he's declared you innocent. God has cleaned you up for his possession, and God has cleansed you for his use. And God promises you holiness and unbroken fellowship and unending presence with him in heaven. Woo! That's what God's done. And because God has done all of that, it is only fitting that I present myself a holy, living sacrifice to him. And it's only fitting for all of you who name the name of Christ. Surrender to Jesus Christ is only fitting. It's only proper. The second reason we are to surrender to the lordship of Jesus Christ is that our surrender is wanted by God. God is not ambivalent. God is not indifferent. God doesn't have an either or I don't care attitude. God wants us to surrender to the lordship of his son. Do you see it there in verse 1? I urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, watch it, acceptable to God. This presentation of ourselves in surrender to the lordship of Christ is accepted by God. He wants us to do this. That's a good reason to do it. That's probably enough of a reason to do it. But there's more. Not only is surrender to the Lordship of Christ what God, because of what God has done for us, fitting, not only is surrender to the Lordship of Christ something God wants explicitly from us, but number three, surrender is the highest form of service to God. This presentation of our bodies as holy and living sacrifices is the highest form of worship that we can offer to God. It's the best service we can offer to God. I'm a baseball fan. The Toronto Blue Jays, I am told, are favored to win the World Series. I'm happy about that. It's opening day today. But in baseball, if my favorite Blue Jay hits it out of the upper deck, but fails to tag up on first and they appeal it and the umpire saw he missed first base, he's out. The ball could be on the street. First base in sanctification as a Christian and be conformed to the image of Christ is to present yourself a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service of worship. The highest service you can offer God is to present yourself to him as a blank check. Lord, all of my money, all of my talents, all of my days on earth, all of my sound mind, all of my strength, I present to you as a blank check. I sign it off. You pay, you be the payee, and you spend me wherever you want, however you want. I'm a living sacrifice. That kind of a surrender is only fitting given what God has done for us. That kind of surrender is wanted by God. That kind of surrender is the highest form of our service to God. By the way, you do remember that it is said in the Old Testament that to obey is better than sacrifice. This is what God wants us to obey in. This is the will of God for each of us. So there's four reasons in the text that we should surrender to the Lordship of Christ. We should pick the branch of the Y road that says, I surrender to the Lordship of Christ to review. It's fitting because of what God's done for us. It's what God wants us to do. It's the highest form of our service to God. And fourth, surrender is how you discover God's best for you. If I had a dollar for every 
person I've pastored over 30 years that said, I want to know God's will for my life, I would be a very wealthy pastor. Everybody wants to know what God's will is for their life, right? You want to know what God's will is for your life. I want to know what God's will for my life is. It's found in his word, and it starts with this. If we will present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, then we, it says at the latter part of verse 2, we will prove, we will understand, we will evaluate, we will consider what the will of God is for our lives, that which is good, that which is acceptable, and that which is perfect. You want to know God's will for your life? Do you want to discover it? Do you want to see whatever that will is for your life that is good, acceptable, and perfect? Easy. Surrender to the Lordship of Christ. I urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and a holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, watch it, that you may prove what the will of God is that which is good and acceptable and perfect. I'm here to tell you that whatever God has planned for each one of you, it's good and it's acceptable and it's perfect. But you won't discover it and you won't recognize it to be good, acceptable, and perfect until you come to this why in the road of your life experience and you reject the branch that says, I will not live under the lordship of Christ, and you choose instead the branch that says, I will live under the lordship of Christ. He will be my boss. He will be my master. He will call the shots. He will direct my life. He will be my highest good. He will be my only hope. He will be my Lord as well as my Savior. When we do that, then we will discover what God's individualized, tailor-made will for each of us is. We'll see it, we'll find it, we'll do it, and we'll understand it to be good, acceptable, and perfect. And it all pivots, it all hinges on obeying the urging of the Holy Spirit in verse 1, I urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and a holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. So we've seen four whys. Why? Surrender to the lordship of Jesus Christ after your conversion. Why surrender? We've seen four things because it's fitting given what God's done for us, because God wants us to do it, because it's the highest form of service to God that we could offer, and it's how we discover God's best for our lives. Those are all four really good reasons to do it. So you say, Pastor, I see it in the text. I see you're handling the word accurately. You're not twisting anything here. God wants me to surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ in a practical way to give my body as a holy and a living sacrifice. I get that. How do I do that? You don't have to convince me the Bible says I should do it now. I want to know how do I do it? How do I choose the branch of the road at the Y intersection, the Lordship of Jesus? How do I choose that branch? Or if I've chosen that branch before this morning, how do I stay on that road? How do I continue to live under the Lordship of Jesus Christ? Does the text have any help for me on that? The hows? Yes, it does. These same two verses give all of us three hows. Three hows to choose the branch of the road of the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Three hows to stay on that road if we've already chosen it. Ready? Three hows. Here we go. The first is, 
You surrender by taking up on God's mercies. Taking up on God's mercies. I see it there in verse 1. I urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. We take up on the mercies of God by knowing what they are. And this is where we find where the mercies of God are. This is where we learn about God's mercies toward us. Nowhere else. God doesn't skywrite. He's written us a love letter in his book. We find his mercies toward us before conversion, at conversion, and subsequent to conversion. We find all of God's mercies in his book. You want to surrender and know how you surrender to the Lordship of Christ? You stay in his book and you find his mercies therein and you dwell on those mercies. When your mind is free to think about anything at all in the shower, shaving gentlemen, putting on makeup ladies, when your mind is free to think about anything at all, think about the mercies of God and why they make it possible for you to present yourself a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, tomorrow morning, Monday, April 4th. How do we get on the I surrender to the Lordship of Christ road or how do we stay on it? We surrender by taking up on God's mercies, by getting into his book and finding his mercies and dwelling on his mercies, making a list of his mercies, memorizing verses that talk about his mercies. And if you want to place start, reread Romans chapters 1 through 11 and consider the mercies of God that are being referenced in Romans 12 verse 1 if you need a place to start. How do we surrender to Christ as Lord? How do we stay surrendered to Christ as Lord? By taking up on God's mercies. Second, you surrender by rejecting the non-biblical system's attempts to squeeze you into its mold. You do realize that there's a world system in the Bahamas, but not just in the Bahamas. It's in Europe. It's in North and South America. It's in Asia. It's everywhere in a fallen planet, a fallen people. The world system is a worldview that cheerfully and completely leaves Jesus Christ out of everything. That's why Christians aren't allowed to pray in schools in America anymore. That's why preachers can't preach the gospel in American streets anymore. They get arrested. You say, really? Yeah, really. Really? A world system that cheerfully and completely leaves Jesus Christ out of parenting, money management, higher education, social science, the arts, financing, politics. It's a world system, it's a worldview, and it's pervasive. We are not to be a part of it. Because Jesus Christ is not to be eliminated from our thinking and our living. He's to be at the center of our thinking and of our living. And it's only his book that's centered in himself that will be the antidote to being squeezed into the mold of this world. That's your only antidote. And it's enough. And so the second way we surrender, getting onto that path of surrender to Christ's lordship or staying on that path of Uh, Christ's lordship is not to be conformed to this world, not to be uh, pushed into the mold and the thinking and the shape of this world. There's a lot of toothpaste and a lot of toothpaste factories in the world, Colgate and Crest and all the others. 
There are these big vats, but they shove them into tubes of toothpaste that are in your medicine cabinet and mine, and we squeeze out that toothpaste. That's what the world wants to do to you. It wants to put you in a tube and squeeze you out to have its values, its beliefs, its priorities, its thinking. You've got to resist that, not be squeezed into the mold of the world system that cheerfully leaves Jesus Christ completely out of everything by being in his book and letting his book transform our minds. Verse two, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed, how? By the renewing of your mind. The renewing of your mind. My cell phone, my smartphone, has had the same battery for three years. And so now it's acting up. It loses its charge so quickly. I have to recharge my smartphone all the time or it's a dumb phone. <laughs> and I hope to get a new battery installed here this week. But you know what? We live in a fallen world that's pushing us into its mold, or at least trying to, and we have to be renewed. Like my cell phone has to be renewed, recharged. Our minds have to be renewed. So they're not conformed, but they're transformed to the will of God as found in the word of God. That's how it works. Conformity to this world system is only resisted by spending time in this book. And there's so many ways we can do that. We can read a hard copy of God's word. We can have God's word loaded on our smartphones. We can have God's word read to us by audio recording. We can see God's word read to us on DVDs. We live in a time and age we have no excuse not to be in God's word. Do you realize on average, the average American evangelical Christian has eight Bibles? Do you realize that the persecuted church around the world, they don't even many times have one Bible between the house church that meets in secret. And if they have one Bible, do you know what they do? They respectfully tear it apart into books, and you get Philippians this week, and you get Exodus this week, and when we come together on the Lord's Day, let's switch. We have no excuse. We have God's word. We possess it. Does it possess us? The only antidote to being conformed to this world and not on the road, the road of the lordship of Jesus Christ is to be in this book and obedient to the Bible. And so it's only the Christ-centered Bible that is the cure for the Christless worldview called the world. That's the only cure. All right, so how do we get on the road I surrender to Christ's lordship? How do I stay on the road if I've selected it? Number one, you take up on God's mercies. You see the centrality of the word of God? You only find out God's mercies in his book. Second, you surrender to the lordship of Christ by rejecting the non-biblical system's attempts to squeeze you into its mold. That's through the Bible as well. Number three, how do you surrender to the lordship of Christ and stay surrendered? By having a transformed and a renewed mind. A transformed and a renewed mind, verse two, once more. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Are you seeing the central place of the Bible? How to get on the Christ is Lord road, how to stay on it? Take up God's mercies found in his book. How do you get on the Christ is Lord road and stay on it? By rejecting the worldview that leaves Jesus Christ completely out. 
How do you do that? By finding in the book that centers in Christ the truth. How do you surrender to get on the Christ as Lord road or to stay on the Christ as Lord road? By having a renewed and a transformed mind. What renews and transforms the mind? The Bible. It's all centered in the Bible. Just like I can't overemphasize Jesus Christ in any sermon, I cannot overemphasize the Bible in any sermon. And the denominations in America and in the Bahamas that have departed from the Bible and they give pep talks and self-improvement lectures are not giving people the truth. They're buying into the world system that cheerfully and completely leaves Jesus Christ out of everything, including Christianity. The Bible is so central, saints. You will never regret on your deathbed if you die gradually. You will never regret on your deathbed the time you spent in the Bible. You may regret the time you didn't spend in the Bible. Okay, you say, Pastor Rob, Romans 12, 1 and 2 have made the case that I should present my body a holy and a living sacrifice acceptable to God, which is my reasonable spiritual service of worship. You've made the case that I should not be conformed to this world, but I should be transformed by the renewing of my mind, that I may approve what the will of God is for me, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. You've made the case. The Bible has spoken to me today. But frankly, Pastor Rob, I'm kind of in the bad habit of, of not reading the Bible every day. I know I should, but I don't. Can you help me? Yes, I can help you. I can help you by suggesting some practical ways you can get into the book starting today. You can make an appointment with God. I do not miss appointments I write into my appointment book with you. If you don't get your appointment written in my appointment book, I might forget you. I'm sorry. But if I write your name Monday at 4 o'clock in my date book, I will be waiting for you at 4 o'clock. I have an appointment with you, and I respect you enough that I won't stand you up. Do you respect God enough that you will make an appointment with him? If you're a morning person, in the morning. If you're a night person, in the evening. To be in his word, alone with him in his word. Could you do that? That's how you'll get consistent. Make an appointment with God. And keep it. Second, you say, Pastor, my attention span's kind of diminished. Maybe with age or maybe with lack of discipline. My attention span is pretty short. Okay. Could you be one minute in God's word today for one day? And tomorrow, could you be two minutes in God's word for two days? And the next day, could you be three minutes in God's word and then do that for three days? Could you then go to four minutes in God's word alone with God for four days? And when you finish that, go to five minutes in God's word for five days, etc., and build your stamina up in God's word, your focus to listen to what he's telling you in his word. Could you do that? Sure you could. <laughs> I know I should be jogging. I'm swimming, if that counts. I swim often with my wife in the sea, and I get my exercise that way. But you know, it started with one or two strokes of what in the water. I don't jog, but I swim. The person who maintains exercise that's helpful for their body starts somewhere and builds upon whatever success they have early in the process, right? 
That's how it works with God's word. And then you say, well, what should I do when I read God's word? Well, first of all, I'm partial to reading God's word in the way it was written, book by book, verse by verse in the book, chapter by chapter in the book. So why don't you start with the book of Philippians if you want a suggestion? Why don't you get a pad and a piece of paper this afternoon for one minute, if that's all you can handle, for one minute, read in Philippians 1, and when something hits you, write it down in your book, or you have a question, write the question in your book and stop and pray and go, go on. Go on to other things. Read verse by verse through a book of the Bible until something hits you or you have a question and then stop. That might be after one verse. It might be after 10 verses. It might be after 12 verses. When something hits you, write it down, meditate on it, pray about it. You have a question, write your question down. Ask a fellow believer or ask me. One of the pastors will try to help you. That's how I get you started. Journal. Keep a, keep a little record of what you read each day, the date, the passage, what hit you or what your question is, how that applies to your life, what you need to change. Pray. Some people write out their prayers. That can be helpful. Journal. And then the last piece of this puzzle to getting into God's word with consistency is have accountability. When I don't feel like swimming, Beth says, we're going swimming? Yeah. When she doesn't feel like swimming, I said, we're going swimming. Have someone of your own gender, if it's not your spouse, of your own gender, if it's not your spouse, hold you accountable. Say, would you ask me tomorrow if I had a minute in God's word? Then tell the truth when they ask you. Will you ask me tomorrow if I have two minutes in God's word yesterday? That'll help. And when you get to the point that 20 minutes seems like a minute, and an hour seems like five minutes, you're on your way. You're on your way. That's how you'll choose the I surrender to the Lordship of Christ road, by taking up on his mercies, by not being conformed to the world in your thinking, and by being transformed in the renewing of your mind. And all is centered in the Holy Spirit's ministry of the book that he wrote the love letter to you from God. Great verses that either make you mad or glad. I urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Great, great verses. Four wise, about surrendering to the Lordship of Christ, four wise. It's fitting. It's God's desire. It's your best service. And it's the way to discover and properly evaluate God's will for you. How do you do it? You dwell on God's mercies. You run from the world system that leaves Christ out. And you get into the word to have your mind renewed and transformed. The way this looked for me, remember I said that uh, these verses made me mad for many years? Here's why. I had a wonderful plan for my life. It was to be rich, I'm not proud of this, to be rich and to have the things that money would buy. My family had two funeral home businesses in Toronto and I knew that I would inherit those businesses, so that was my plan. I knew I was saved, 
I knew I belonged to Christ, but Jesus didn't have to be at the center of me running to funeral homes, or so I thought. And so I made choices in high school that did not honor God, and I'm not proud of that. And if you're a high schooler listening to me right now, don't make those mistakes. When I was in grade 12, some of us saved up money and went on an Easter break vacation together as a class to Hawaii. We all loved it. We all said we would go back later, but my best friend David meant it. He said it, and he meant it. And in grade 13, the preparatory year for university in Ontario, Canada, David was bringing school books back and forth from school to his house. And I walked with him to and from school all through the previous grades. He never carried a book once, and he got A's. He was brilliant. And finally, it dawned on me. I said, David, why are you bringing books home back and forth? You know you can get good grades without books or studying. He said, I'm going to get my grade point average so high that I'm going to walk out of my grade 13 year in March and never go back to school and still get into any university I want because my grade point average will be so high. He was cocky, arrogant. Back in grade eight, when I met him, I was living more closely to the Lordship of Christ, and I shared the gospel with David, and he said, I'll think about it. And then from grade eight to grade 12, my life resembled his life of sin rather than his life resembling my life of righteousness. And even though I was a backslidden Christian in grade 12, I shared the gospel with him again. I said, this is how you're saved. You trust Jesus alone to be your savior. You repent of your sins and God will forgive you. And he said, isn't that what you told me when we were in grade eight? I said, yes. He said, I've been watching your life. It doesn't make a stitch of difference. So why should I do anything about it? That's what happens when a Christian chooses the I don't surrender to the Lordship of Christ road. And it doesn't just affect the Christian who makes the choice. It affected my best friend because he went to Hawaii alone the following year to when we went as a group. He stayed on the beach camping in Maui. He didn't see any signs posted about the reptiles. He had no warning of the severe reptiles, and he drowned body surfing. I sat in his funeral. He didn't go to our church, but because of his relationship with me as his best friend, his mother asked if his funeral could be in our church. And my pastor gave the gospel to my class, my high school class. The church was absolutely full. And I sat there in the front row on the I don't surrender to Christ road, weeping. Weeping because my best friend was in the casket. Weeping because as far as I knew, my best friend was in hell because my life didn't line up with the Lordship of Jesus Christ. I was weeping at so many different levels. If you stay on the I don't surrender to the Lordship of Christ road, it will negatively affect not only you, but all the people around you who know you to be a Christian. As I sat in that funeral service as a pallbearer and my preacher was giving the gospel and calling my classmates to repentance and faith in Christ for salvation, I was a broken 19-year-old boy broken. And somewhere in that service, I couldn't tell you the exact point, but before I carried his casket out of my church building, I went over to this road right here. And in tears and privacy and confession, I said, Jesus, you died and gave it all for me. And I've been wasting my life. I've been sinning. I've been leading people astray. And I repent. 
I want you to be my Lord and my master as well as my savior. And if you can do anything with my life, Lord Jesus, I'm willing for you to use me any way you see fit. He forgave me. He redirected me. He trained me for the ministry. And he gave me this redemptive story to share with you. Which road are you on? Are you saved? Wonderful. Which road are you on? This is a morning of decision. If you are on the I don't surrender road, don't leave on that road. Come over to this road and say, Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. I'm his. 100%. I'm all in. I'm a blank check. I've signed my life as a check. Jesus, spend me the way you want to spend me. Because when you spend me, Lord Jesus, the way you want to spend me, I'll figure it out that it's good, acceptable, and perfect after I've given you myself as a blank check. Would you do that? If you've never done it before, would you? That's the normal Christian life. That's the abundant life that Jesus came to give us. I've come that they may have life and have it more abundantly, John 10, 10. Make that to your decision. As we come to the table, come to the table with him as Lord, Master, King, and Savior. Oh God, we thank you for these verses. I thank you for my brothers and sisters in Christ who stand at the fork in the road. Help those who've made the right decision in the past to ratify it being in the word of God. And Lord, help my brothers and sisters who have chosen wrongly or never chosen at all to get on the right branch of the road, the I surrender to the Lordship of Christ branch in the road. And we'll be careful, very careful, to give you all the praise, glory, and honor. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen.